Quentin Molson. And together we are the Two Enthusiasts Podcast. The Two Enthusiasts Podcast. The most rearranged podcast in the motorcycle industry. We're rearranged. This is bad. This is bad radio because we are all upside down, topsy turvy in my living room right now, did a little redecorating. And our listeners can't see it, but we can. And we had to kind of redo our whole little setup here. So maybe it sounds different. Maybe it sounds better. Yeah, you never know. Maybe it sounds worse. Yeah, and you never know. We'll we'll find out. <laughs> we'll yeah. find out the end of it. Yeah. But um, we, we got some we got some things that are percolating. Some some ideas that may or may not come to fruition that our listeners may see. I don't want to I don't want to say too much. Sure. But um, some good things some good things on the horizon for them. Or, I like it. I, I'm, I'm all about change. I think it's good. Got to embrace change. Mm-hmm. Um, I got nothing to talk about today. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> what do you, What have you been up to? Tell me, I haven't seen you in a while. Um, I have been uh, gallivanting around the Western United States, going to Alta dealers, uh, taking care of business of various sorts. Just a busy time to be making sure everybody's doing the right thing and being down at the headquarters, doing some training and meetings and stuff like that motorcycle stuff not a huge amount um which is troublesome but i had uh you know a couple weeks ago we talked about last month i had ridden a pocatello and bozeman so that filled my cup for like long distance motorcycle journey for a while so i'm uh i'm okay but i'm getting etchy to get out on on a dirt bike to be honest with you filled your saddlebags as it were yeah well sure yeah. Uh, what about you? I know the feeling. I know the feeling. I've been, I spent the last week sitting down basically. Um, went and picked up a KTM 1290 Adventure S. Mm-hmm. I've put about 50 miles on it. That bike is rad. I can't wait for you to try it out. Yeah. It looks okay. I mean, they all, all those bikes are just so big and heavy, you know, and doing a walk around. I, I, I realized I had not paid attention to these bikes at all since two years ago essentially the last time that i and i made a very concentrated look at a ktm 12 11 90 enduro thingy 1290 super adventure I think yeah but even even that time they had all the variants and i i paid attention to it but well, that's been a couple of years so they've changed quite a bit they have that weird new headlight design that kind of looks hr giger geiger esque and but it looks good the bike looks great i'm not a big fan of those cast wheels they just look like they want to break. I don't know. I'm, I know that doesn't mean they're going to break. Just look like it. On a big bike like that, I just want to see gnarly spokes. I don't know what it is. It's such a strange spokes thing. Spokes for blokes. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's a. Well, it's I mean, an interesting dynamic. To be fair, they've got the, this is the S spec. There's an R spec, which does have wire spokes. Yeah, sure. And is probably going to fit your, your cup a little bit better. The Adventure S is really kind of going after... I wouldn't call it an, an adventure sport. I think it's actually a true adventure tour in, in what that was when they first came out, like in terms of like what the R, R1200 GS was, 19-inch yeah. cast wheel. and Sure. You know. Um, and it took to getting to the the R models or the adventure models or whatever it is mm, to get to the real hardcore 21-inch. Right, yeah. And, a GSA, you yeah. know, that would bring it in. 
Um, we've definitely seen that segment. We've seen the ADV segment kind of scatter. And you've got the adventure sports, which are your Multistradas, your BMW S1000XR. Um, trying to think what other bikes I would throw in there readily. Let's Tri- there's a tri- I was going to say a Triumph, but no, not really, because they're more I, either heavy I would cumbersome still or the, off-road. I'd still say they're on the adventure tour spectrum. And then we've seen this progression into more hardcore dirt where you have the Africa Twin, the GS Adventure, the Adventure R, the 1290 Adventure R. Um, the, the, the Triumphs have a, very, a variant that kind of plays in that space as well. So it's interesting to see that manufacturers are kind of coming up with different flavors to fit this taste. Sure. Um, Because it's a growing segment or a popular segment? Was. Was. I don't think, I'd have to go back and look at the data, but I don't think that's really a growth segment anymore. I think it's, it's, it does a lot of volume, but I don't think there's any growth. Yeah. I think that was the, hey, I'm 40, 45, maybe 50. I'm kind of done with my sport bikey days. I'm looking for something a little bit more upright a little bit more long distance i still want that sporty feel though so i'm looking for like 150 horsepower and i don't want to go buy a Goldwing or a harley or you know one of these other big kind of quote-unquote touring bikes yeah so that's what i think really grew that market and i think those riders are there now and i'm not sure that um the the riders of of our generation or our age are looking for that or ready for that and so it's just going to kind of percolate. Um, but 160 horsepower on tap. It's uh, 524 pounds. So it's a big girl. Is it really? Yeah. Is that curb weight? What I weight? I think that's curb weight. That, I would ha- it would have to be. It feels about that. Like, to be fair, it feels Because looking that, at a lot of the components, that thing looks fairly lithe, right? It doesn't doesn't <laughs> look like when you look at some of these multi-stars and GSs, all of them, you look at all of them. They're, they look heavy, straight up. Yeah. This one doesn't look too heavy. I mean, it looks big, but not like... I mean, it is... I, I call them all wildebeests. They, they definitely have a wildebeest look to them. They're staunch, heavy, stocky things, right? The looks are definitely a, a, an acquired taste. I think coming with the DNA from the Super Duke, it has that sport bike feel. Yeah. Um, we were looking at the bike in the garage before we started the show. And, you know, I have a little bit of complaints with the 19 inch wheel. You definitely feel the weight. You kind of feel the vagueness. It's not like a 17 inch sport bike wheel, but it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you can throw that bike around. It's got corner and ABS. It's got an IMU for traction control. So it's got some pretty cool features that allow you to really push it to the limits. I took it up Skyline the other night and I wasn't running slow. Um, that's a good engine. You really like, the I motor. love that engine. I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it makes you giggle because it's so much fun. I did, um, I, I didn't, I wouldn't do this. I would never actually do a power wheelie down the majority of McLaughlin, but what if one did, you could on a big beast on a big beast. So, uh, I had someone describe it to me. Just think of it as a supermoto, like a big supermoto, close yeah. your eyes and imagine a supermoto. And you're like, yeah, you can. Cause you can, I love this about KTM. You can turn the ABS off on the rear wheel and still leave it on the front wheel. There's not a lot of, there aren't a lot of brands that allow you to do that. And I really think, especially on a sport bike, that's, that's a fun factor. I like being able to have the safety of the, of the ABS on the front wheel. And I love being able to lock up the rear wheel and, and not have to worry about and it. not have to worry yeah. about it. Um, especially like on a bike like that, where you're going to be doing mixed road conditions. You're going to go from tarmac to gravel to dirt. 
you want to be able to have that flexibility. Sure. So I'm all about it. It should be standard on everything. I will uh, um, have a very hard time giving that bike back. Well, I look forward to having a go on it because it's been a long time since I've been on something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I got some bags. I think we should go camping. Do a, Maybe do a camping show. Sure. Around the uh, the crackling of the, the campfire. Mm, camping show. That's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. Mm. We've got a lot, of, a lot of fires going on right now. Yeah. Probably don't want to do that so for a while. But wanna... it's coming. The rain's coming. Winter's coming. Already. I Game mean, of Thrones. Just the last couple of days felt like fall because it went into the seventies. Yeah. So today was actually cold. Yeah. It was nice. Like, it was legit. Yeah, it's great. Uh driving through southern Oregon, northern yeah. California, so much smoke. I did that last week, but I had to come from uh Eureka. So I was on the coast and I came literally up the highway that the main I think I can't remember what the the Klondike fire is what they're calling the big fuck off fire that's near Grants Pass. And I, I was actually very worried. Because I had to skirt, I had to drive from San Fran up to Sacramento and then over to Eureka, which is like, and then back to Portland. So that I was literally zigzagging through the biggest parts of these fires. I managed to get away with not having any road closures or anything like that, mainly because I took some awesome roads in a rental car that uh, suffered for it, I'll say. (laughs) Yeah. And <laughs> they, CVT transmissions are fucking awful. Yeah. I hate them with a passion. So anybody that rides scooters, anybody that rides any one of these four-wheeler things that has CV transmission, CVT, and you like it, buy a Nissan Versa. You'll you'll love that. <laughs> you'll be all about it. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, so yeah, I had to skirt those so I can imagine what you saw when you were coming up because it's kept on going and going and going, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of smoke. Um even smoke all the way down to SoCal, down to Marietta. I mean, it's West Coast is on fire right now. Mm-hmm. Was disappointed not to get a Alta on my way. You guys ran out. Wah, wah, wah. You're all out of them. Sold out. So I guess that's a good problem to have. Yeah, sure. Hopefully you'll get another one sometime soon. Hopefully. I have a upcoming, in fact, by the time this by the time this podcast drops, I'll probably be Close to on my way to the Honda CRF 450L launch. Oh, interesting. Which is going to be right up here in Rainier. No way. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's cool that you're going to that. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I was going to have Carlin go. Carlin Dunn. Um, maybe you heard of him. Goes up Pikes Peak pretty quick. Hmm. But uh, he's he's too busy. He's now a famous movie star. Oh, yeah. He's booked months out in advance. Yeah. He couldn't do the thing. Forgotten all about the people that knew him back in the day. Yeah. So... Carlin. Um, stoked for him, but yeah, I'll have to go slum it in the uh, Washingtonian so woods. Is it? Yeah, is it? What are they going to be doing? I mean, looking at the area where the launch is, it's it's in one of the parks that's right at the base of Mount Rainier. I forget okay. the name of it. Got it. But um, I would imagine we're going to do a fair bit of trail riding. You're probably going to have to do some hardcore narnar. We're gonna we're gonna find out. This will be interesting to see how this goes for you. Hopefully it goes well. I'd be worried. Like people say Rainier, you know, the areas of Washington around there that are off-road, there's some next level crap for sure in that area. So it'll be very interesting. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I heard Spurgeon's going and if Spurgeon can do it, I can do it. Oh yeah, totally. I don't even know the guy, but his name's Spurgeon. His name's Spurgeon. Rhymes with Sturgeon. Yeah. You know. Or Surgeon. He's. Oh, I wouldn't give him that much credit. No. He's not like a, a surgical strike. A surgical strike. <laughs> a surgical. A spurgical. Spurgical strike. He's like a sturgeon. He's like one of those river fish that just kind of. All right. If he bottom. ends up on the ground at any point in time, you just got to say, ha, 
Spurgical strike on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think Honda's well aware that it's called asphalt rubber for a reason. Yeah, but we'll sure. uh, we'll give it a go. That bike should be cool though. Um, I agree. Um, I'd I'm be super stoked. excited by that. Yeah, that's I think neat. we already talked about our stoke for it. But ask um, him if you can do a plus one. I'd I'd head up there on that. Yeah, I should go crash it on an Alta and be like right around everybody later. I'm crusty. Yeah, crusty, good old crusty. Uh, Quentin, what do you want to, what do you want to talk about today? Let's, you wanna, uh, um, let's get into all the, there's various newsy things that have been going on. We should chat about newsy things. I, I think we got to start with, with the big guns. Let's go. Um, how do you feel about air conditioning coming to a home near you? <laughs> I know, it's like, so all I did was see it and then I got squirreled off on something else this morning, but I saw the article. And I'm like, I can't wait to read that one, but I didn't get a chance to. So I'm very excited. I was like, well, maybe we'll be able to podcast about it. So tell me all about, all I saw was the back of the helmet with some vents in an area that I'm like, boy, that looks like that's heavy. That would hurt your neck, and you'd be like, oh, uh, and I'm just holding my neck back because that would be the thing. Unless you maybe they ballast it with more weight in the on front. the front. Yeah, I could see that actually being a legit thing they'd have to do. That you just make it big, bigger and heavier in general. Um, there was funny. There was a there was a person commenting on asphalt and rubber that I guess works um, with military helicopters, and I don't know if I can't remember if they were a pilot or just yeah part of the technical crew. Is his name Huey. What? No, his name was Airwolf Quentin. <laughs> if you want to be like that. <laughs> but he was saying, you know, for the night vision goggles and the heads up that they do for the helicopter pilots, they actually do mm-hmm. have to wait sure. the helmet in the rear because the goggles extend so far forward. Yeah. Um, do they have air conditioning? And I mean, I would imagine that this is where this comes from or could come from and having a unit that's this small would come from some military application because can you imagine talk about keeping a cool head if you're piloting a humvee in say anywhere in the middle east i don't know where anybody would be doing that in the world but maybe they would need to keep cool heads yeah no i mean i don't know i'm very skeptical about this this whole <laughs> this thing this is scully like i'll it's say very that sc- i mean let's let's be let's just be really frank right scully has totally muddied the waters if you're a helmet technology startup yeah. scully fucked you so yeah. hard because the only way we're going to take it seriously is if a rye shoey yeah. something like that well, comes out with a hey we're going to make an air-conditioned helmet and that's really? the other part of it too i didn't i was going to get to that later but we can do it now motorcyclists are kind of particular about what they put on their heads or don't put on their heads you know <laughs> right? like, i mean that's that's part of our issues in the industry is this no helmet thing so <laughs> so you're already coming into that space but you have riders that are very much I'm only going to put a rye on my head. I'm only going to put an AGV. I'm only going to put a bell or, or I would only put those brands. I'm not going to do like an HJC or KBC or, you know, former or one of these other brands that are maybe are considered more budget hundred dollar head, hundred dollar helmet. Yeah. Which is total bullshit by the way, but whatever. Um, so there is that kind of reality already in the helmet buying space that you're going to have to overcome where it's like, Oh, you're Fahir helmets. I don't even know how I'm, Pronouncing that right? Fahir. F E H E R. Fahir. I like Fahir. 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 For there, for everywhere. For everywhere. Fahir. Fahir. We, we, we're going to have to do a Wunderlich on this <laughs> one. Wunderlich. It's named after the dude that, that invented it. So oh, to God. Speak. Um, which is a whole other level of narcissism we don't need to get into. Uh-huh. Uh, that's why I say, oh, God. Steve Fahir. Hmm. Steve for there. Steve for everywhere. <laughs> it's all the Steves. Oh man, we're gonna go a cease and desist for that one. 
No, we're uh, not. We're helping promote this guy. Yeah. Hey, thing. right. So I'm already a little skeptical just because of that space. And then you kind of get, you get these like new brands and supposedly they're for sale already. And I was, I literally wrote them an email back. Like, cool, cool idea. Send one to me. Seen is believing. Do you yeah. have any demo models? Because I really don't care about this until I can yeah. put it on my head. Cause they were quoting like 1450 grams, 1,450 gram. Yeah. 1,450 grams in weight. How much is a, which is really light at the end of the day, if that's a large, now that's always the thing. Like what size helmet yeah. is that? Because you can see easily 500 grams from a small to an XXL. Is it? Yeah. I don't know enough to know, you know, and that's, that's like a pound. Hmm. So, um, in my size, I'm a large and pretty much every brand, uh, 1450 is just a little bit heavier than what an AGV piece to GPR is going to be. <laughs> so, so you're, so you're smelling like, something stinky here. I'm like, is that like super double X small? Cause I yeah. might believe that. Cause you look at this thing and it's got this bulbous kind of pack on the back and knowing the technology, it's a heat sink or sorry, it's a heat pump, which is a very basic mechanical device. It doesn't need to be very big. Which law of thermodynamics do we need to get into on this one? Um, I think it's the second. Second, yeah. yeah. I'm going with, yeah, second. <laughs> I can't imagine. All of them? I can't imagine how this works. I'd love to see the mechanism. Oh, it works the same way that like a heat pump at your house I get would work. it, but I, what I'm saying is I can't imagine how it works in the in this application in this in this how small it is or how much well how many BTUs it's wicking away from your skull. They're saying like up to 15 degrees in temperature difference. I could see it, man. Maybe. The thing that kills me is you have to plug it in. Yeah. There is an option for a battery, but that's got to add like another pound, right? Well, unless you have it's a remote battery, you have it on your on your person or something. Maybe. I don't know. Either way, like I don't really want a cable dangling from my helmet. No. Um and it I mean Maybe it could also act as a Hans device at the same time. You have your cables that are attached to your your thing to keep your head. I don't know. I like the idea. I, I think having air conditioning in your helmet kind of makes sense. I think it makes more sense as a vest if I'm going to air condition something. You want to keep your core cool. There's a, there's advantage. Right? There's there's a lot of different ways to look at it. Uh, your head accounts for about 10% of your heat transfer in your body, but there's some advantages to directly cooling your brain versus trying to like cool your core. Yeah. And that would be cooling your brain indirectly through the blood supply. So there's some, some advantages there. Um, so they did bring up the fact that it could help with, uh, moisture and condensation inside the helmet. Yeah. As someone that sweats a lot. Yeah. That would be an interesting thing. I'm like not, I'm day. super lucky. I've always been like super fortunate to not have to worry about that as much. I see well, other that means people. you're less evolved. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. We've sweating is the one thing humans do better than any other animal in the animal <laughs> kingdom. So I am peak evolution human. Yep. That's how I read that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I agree. I'm not that. a I'm not a hard sciences major, but um, <laughs> you're peak evolution. Sure right. So you don't need to be hard right, sciences. Fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. Soft fuck sciences it. sounds good to me. Social sciences for the win, yo. <laughs> I definitely took. Uh, it was fun in college because we didn't have to take like real physics. We took physics for social sciences majors. Yeah, sure. No math. Yeah, all that conceptual. sounds conceptual. That sounds like that's right up my alley. Yeah, you're sitting there and going like, because I did like honors physics in high school. I was pretty good at science and, and math in school. But in college, I didn't have to take it. I'm like, well, why am I gonna, why am I gonna sweat it <laughs> when when I can get an easy A? Like, okay, so this is the concept of gravity, but we're gonna use no math whatsoever. This is just just take Einstein's word for it, basically. 
Um, I don't know. I'll be curious to see. They're they're saying it's going to cost five hundred and fifty bucks, six hundred bucks after the introductory price is done. Uh, if a demo model shows up at my doorstep, I will be very very. Um, I'll give it a lot more weight. I will get a lot more credence. <laughs> probably will be a lot more weight. There probably will be a lot more weight. It'll be definitely more. <laughs> oh, than that was without the windscreen and without the padding in. <laughs> With a counterweight. <laughs> So we'll see. Um, I just think it's interesting because I'd never really considered that. And I would I would consider that. I know this this sounds crazy because I don't know. I'm usually like, well, keep it simple. Why make it complicated? But I've been on the road a lot of times with a hothead and I would love to absolutely. I know when I stop at a gas station and I am dousing my underlayer in water and that it works so well in 100 to 105 degree temperatures for like 20, 25 miles, it's amazing how much, how effective just doing that is. So the idea of being able to flick a switch and have this thing suck power from my bike, which is already making power, hopefully enough to, to power this thing. And if it's 12 volts and it does the thing, I don't mind having a little cable run into it. If it was light enough, I actually kind of like the idea. I'm not sure that I would buy that, but I would, I'd love to try it. Yeah. I'll be curious to see. So there's a, there's a thing that I want to talk about that I did that I can't talk about yet yeah um but i will say when i was doing that thing <laughs> could have just regulated on you yeah i know she was like she was so fine but then yeah. i touched the tail yeah sorry. you can't touch the tail sorry sorry like, Ooh, now no. she's all triggered yeah oh, yeah she is she's you're she's, a triggered kitty she's more triggered than a hey oh wow <laughs> she's not happy i just put my hand under me and she's still pissing. she's like fuck you and, and keep in mind She's laying in my lap. She, she came over to you and plopped in your lap. Yeah. And it was like, you're mine now. <laughs> you're in my world. Don't you move. Don't you touch me. I wonder I, if she thinks your if your ponytail is like a tail. <laughs> yeah, right. Like a little cat tail. Too bad I can't. It's not prehensile. I'd love to be able to move my ponytail. <laughs> oh, my God. That'd be so creepy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I would not talk to you. <laughs> what if I was all happy nope. and you see my tail nope. wagon? <laughs> nope. I would lock my door, change uh, the locks. See you later. <laughs> Oops. See you later. <laughs> there um, comes Quentin. His, his ponytail's up. <laughs> All right. Sorry. So you were doing the thing that you're not supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was trying to drop like some cool news on our yeah. listeners here and you kind of interrupt me. Hey, with your it's not me. It's ponytail Coda. erection. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> so yeah, I was doing a thing. I can't talk about it. it. We will talk about it. Don't worry. Don't you worry. But, um, I got to keep mums on it for a little longer, but it was so fucking hot where we were and it was so humid and I was sweating my, my chihones off doing the thing. And I was kind of thinking like, yeah, air conditioning helmet would have been pretty good right about now. Mm -hmm. Especially if it can cool my head 15 degrees. Cause I was, that was one thing that was like, I was really wiping away a lot of sweat. I was surprised at how sweaty I don't do well in humidity. The humidity is horrible. I'm a Nordic creature. Yeah. The family comes from the Viking area. We don't do well with humidity. Yeah, I'm I'm American, so I don't really know. Marker. But I'm glad that I'm not in Central Texas. My poor parents are are there, and every yeah. time I talk to them, every Sunday, talk to the old parents, and they are they've been literally sweating it for the whole summer as they do, and it's just gross. Yeah, yeah, I'm right. Everybody's there. like, "Oh, it rains in Portland. Must be humid." Like, oh, stop it. No, no, it's wonderful here, except for the smoke. But, you know, what are you going to do? Canada's on fire. Southern Oregon's on fire. We can't light the hipsters on fire, unfortunately. No. Want to. 
What's can't. orange and red and looks good on a hippie? I don't know. Fire. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. It was just like right up there. <laughs> how many dead babies does it take to paint a house? <laughs> how many? Depends how hard you throw them. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. Wow. That's awful. But Oh, but dead baby jokes. Funny thing, I didn't know anything about dead baby jokes yeah. until that physics without math class. Oh, really? And Sarah Grundy is the girl sat next to oh, me. Oh, good old Sarah. Every day would give me a new, a new dead baby joke. And then you could apply it to the physics, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right. Let's, I think we, we need to stop. Just move along. Yeah. Just moving <laughs> that along. Good one. Um. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of things from the past that are wrong the have you seen the new ducati hyper rotard spy photos well why is it wrong oh i don't necessarily think that it's wrong but i think pierre terreblanche has gone around high-fiving everyone oh because it just went right back it went it right looks, back to looks us. the same like hey we need to go back to where the subframe has the trellis and the nose is a little bit more blunted. And, oh, yeah, we should just take the design briefs from 2003 and make it. Well, the exhaust is kind of coming back in as an undertale. Yeah, which is the same thing they did with the uh, the Scrambler 1000. Yeah. It's like back to, frankly, even the, even the, the aftermarket. And in 1999, 2000, 2001, the shotgun pipes, the way they would come up on either side on, on the aftermarket pipes of that era, not on the monsters, but on that's what it looks like, right? So it just looks like a different monster now. So anyway, yeah, fair enough to them, because you know what? That bike looks great. The older bikes do look good. The newer bikes look fine, too. I don't mind any of them. I they, love the way the current Hyper looks. Yeah, so that's why I. I bought one. Sure. But it's funny that they're going, you know, all these companies go with like, well, we, we have this vacuole die cast technology that we're making a subframe on. It's light and it's better. And then 10 years later, they're back to the old aluminum tubes welded yeah. together. Right? I don't know, though. I I do not like the way this new Hyper looks. Oh, you know? I don't think. I mean, it's a. You've, you've seen pre-pro it's stuff, It's a right? pre-pro. It's a spy photo. It doesn't have the bodywork on it. But I don't like the way the, the pipes look. I'm not. I'm kind of indifferent about the trellis. I'm looking at it right now. I would stay with my hyper. Yeah, fair enough. Well, but but I do think that's it. a bike that needs to get updated. It needs an a needs a TFT dash. It needs an IMU. It needs some of the cool stuff that you can do electronically. That <laughs> you know, has what it needs for me the 1100 air cooled two valve engine. <laughs> yeah, I'm not one of those guys though. <laughs> I, I, I rode that bike when it was still a new bike, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get a Street Fighter instead because I like that motor better. And that's just how I was. Um, so good to see that's getting an update. I don't know if it's for me, but I will reserve final judgment until I see it in Eichma. You know, you'll be all stoked on it when it has Olin's on it and you you love the gold shiny things. So you'll be like, got to have it as an SP. What am I, a fish? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Varmint. We call it varmint factor. Varmint factor? Has, when you know a bike has high varmint factor, the, the, all the people from the... The critters? From, yeah, the, the critters critter like people? to go straight to it. <laughs> Come out of the woods. What's that? Oh, it's shiny. Is that a, is that a Busa oh. with chrome rims? And are the brake rotors chrome too? Oh, yeah. Shine bright like a diamond. <laughs> oh, no. I can't. Just found our intro song. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is. That's good. You should. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, we'll see. I'll be curious to see all the things. Sure. I don't know. It, the front still looks like the old one. Like, Of course. It, what are you going to do? It's a hyper. Like, they basically fair, said, we're going to. 
we're going to make this. No, you're fair. I the think segment, they've made the segment. They built it, and then nobody else is really like the doors. I'm a little bit. Doors are thing. Trying to think of what else. If anybody's like killed it, though, nobody has like. Uh, the Husky 701 is. But that's like more of a true supermoto. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, but this, to be fair, before that, it was like the Duke 690. Not six, 690. What was the original Duke? Yeah, 640. The yeah. LC4 engine. Yeah. LC4. Yeah. That's like, but that was OG. That's like 90s. And they looked, were the first. Yeah. Right. If anybody remembers the Husqvarna Nox, N-O-X. Oh, God. That gets uh, Jensen uh, with his <laughs> fingers on fire. You don't remember the Nox? You, I think it was before my time. It probably was. It was like 2000, 2001. So it would have been right at the threshold. Maybe it was 99. <laughs> like the first thing I type in is a wheelbarrow shows up. Nox. Nox. Are you spelling Nox? I think it's N-O-X. I put a K nitrous in there for some reason. oxide emissions. What the fuck is this? Oh yeah, okay. oxides of uh, nitrogen. Oh yeah, but that's that's still very super meadow. It is. But I'm just saying that that I'm just. It was just that, that looks like that eventually became like their their uh, six whatever twenty. Absolutely, but that was like the big deal at the time. That and the Vertimati V O R. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, that type, sounds familiar. Type in Vertim Vertimati. Vert. Oh my god. All right. uh, everybody, this? I can. I can hear all the listeners clicking on click, like, click, 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 we click, should click, do like click, a video click. version of this podcast. <laughs> we should. That would be an interesting thing to do. Vertimati. We could then show it in like the like DRZ. What the Vertimati? Yeah. Oh my God. Those things were just grenades. They were horrible, but they were wicked when they did the thing. Sounds like my, sounds like my Husky. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you know what a TM is? Yes. Okay, good. Cause that's, would, we have a TM dealer in town. Yeah. Or we used to. Too much. Too manly. <laughs> Don't need to genderize it. I feel like you do, because only a man would go buy a TM. <laughs> be like, hey, a woman would be more sensible about it. She'd be like, mm, no, that's Italian. It's going to be a bad news bears. <laughs> I'm going to get a Japanese one. They're reliable. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. We live in a post-gender society. You're correct. <laughs> I apologize. That's what I'm saying. I apologize. Okay. So back to, back to whatever we were talking about, which was. I have no idea. The hyper. Yeah. Okay. The one thing I do glean from this that I thought was very interesting, the dual exhaust. I wonder if that's going to be the new thing for Euro 5. Yeah. Just to get yeah. tailpipe emissions where they need to be and, and to, to do the noise They're going to be like, all right, we're going back from the underslung, nothing exhaust that's, that's mostly in the in the colostomy bag that yeah. we have underneath the bike. And now we're going to have to go back to the old school. And before you know it, you'll see a big set of Twin Terminoni's popping out the back of the V4. Yeah. I, I don't know if you've seen, but the, the Termi Terminoni, the the Terminoni system is the shit for it looks that bike. Because it makes the bike that hunchback of Notre Dame, Quasimodo, stupid looking bike, all of a sudden looks proportional with the tail. It, it's almost like it has a ponytail that's erect. Or, I, see what, I see what you did there. You know what I mean? Or at least sideways, right? I do like that Terminone exhaust. I don't love it. Yeah, sure. I like it a lot. There's yeah. a couple little things about it that I'm like, mm, I just don't like the I, way that little on the, the on the belly, sides the belly. at the bottom. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you on that. It's not as good. If it was just straight up, all of them went into two bigger cans, I'd be like, but that's the problem when you're old and you've already been through all this and you're, I was putting on Terminone exhaust systems in 1999, a lot of them. Uh, that's what I like, right? So it's an interesting, like my 848. I love the way my 848 yeah. looks. I think it looks right. You know, but it is what it is. So. I have two big issues with Termignoni. One, it's less true now, but definitely true, say, five years and earlier. 
the quality just wasn't very good. Yeah, compared the to their Kravovich, the, but they've had to they've had to step up their game. They had to step up and their I game. think they can. They're making that system out of tie and partial, yeah. and that is the biggest thing. Is that the tie just welds nicer and it forces you to have a better system, whereas the Termies, which was just like stamped steel and classic steel stuff with MIG welded, machined welded stuff. I don't just think didn't it was machine welded. I think it was Giuseppe in the back eh. after like four shots of grappa. Just I don't banging know. Banging him out at 1 a.m. That's the problem is that it, that's a perception and it didn't look great. And then they also were fairly difficult to put together. And but expensive. If you're, yeah, and expensive. And not the same as the Akrapovich. Right. But if you look at the Akrapovich on a lot of these newer bikes, I, especially on the Ducatis that comes with the V4 and that's the fancy one that's yep. $4,000, $5,000. Installed, it's even more yeah. because it takes 10 hours. Yeah. 10 hours of labor. Fuck to that. install because and it it's it takes every bit of it. Watching the guys at the shops and girls do this, it's like fuck me. They have to basically disassemble the bike completely to get that exhaust for what? For what? So it looks cool to for, them. For, yeah, it looks cool but like I think uh, gone are the days where you took an exhaust, you bolted up and it your bike, and you found like 10 more horsepower. And, and lightweight. I'm sure it's lighter weight. It's lighter. but I, mean, I have no doubt does, about that. Does it matter on a bike that already weighs a low amount uh, with 200 horsepower, right? With, with me on it? Yeah. I mean, the full system, The I don't mean full system like the exhaust. I mean, the system in terms of rider, yeah. leathers, sure. bike, fuel. You I don't go, know if five pounds on an exhaust. Go, really go have a good bowel bread. movement, and you'd be better off. Legitimately. <laughs> Legitimately. I have definitely... On the trip back, actually, because <laughs> I didn't, I didn't stop. I was Road Warrior Plus. Uh-huh. I just kept on going. I got home. You were, you were impacted. Have you ever triple flushed? <laughs> oh no, stop it. We don't need to get into this. I'm just, I'm just asking. Yeah. I'm not it's totally unrelated. Asking for a friend. <laughs> have you ever triple flushed at Quentin? I'm have you refused. ever, have you ever done the second flush and been like, I think I need to do another? <laughs> Has that ever happened in your life? That's life changing. Mm. Good gracious. But no, I do think I do think this this double exhausting is going to be something we see from manufacturers more as they try to tackle Euro Five, which comes online in 2020, 2021 for existing models. So we're kind of going to start seeing those models enter into the space soon. I'll be curious too to see if this Hyper is Euro Five or Euro Four compliant. Probably mm-hmm. Euro Four to start, but probably yeah. it's already plumbed and sure. designed for Euro Five. I'm sure. I like not having to worry about all that. All we have to worry about is electromagnetic interference, which is actually a big deal. And one of the reasons why you're not seeing Altas. You say this for Alta. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you don't. We don't see them selling in Europe yet because that's one of the things that we have to get to. And it's complicated. It's not just like putting a tin foil thing around your bike. It's not a, what is it, Faraday? Faraday cage. Faraday cage. It's not that. It's part of that. But it's interesting how much each individual component in the system, not just the battery, not just the motor. So I'm totally unfamiliar. Hold on, I gotta pull my mountain do it here. Oh yeah. Hold on. Oh, I should have gotten close to the microphone. No, oh, yeah. The bubbles. Dude, and it's that's like a liter. Is that a liter? What? That's a liter of cola. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Consuming a full liter during this. Wow. I already had half a liter with lunch, okay? Yeah, okay. Don't judge me. <laughs> you're a wrecked ponytail. Yeah, so I knew nothing about this. So explain this to me. Um, it's what's it's, the issue? The word is going to like interfere with a microwave. Uh, all kinds of. Do you have to turn it off when you get like on the airplane. RFID, you know how so many things yeah. are now RFID. That would be the type of thing that would get interfered by with by a electric car or bike with a massive amount of this coming off of it, 
radiating off of it at any given. And imagine if it's large groups of them going on the streets. Apparently, it's a big deal. I haven't seen any data with this. I just know that when I hear the engineers talking about being ready to go to various other countries, Canada uh, is one of them, that we have to make sure that it's good. And it's it's done. It's been done mostly, but not all the way because. You're trying to make a light dirt bike, not worry about um, electromagnetic emissions. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of like, all right, revisiting. And it, it goes down to the circuit boards. Even the PCBs themselves need to be engineered in such a way that it helps with this. It's an interesting dynamic. Is this kind of like the same thing with cell phones and radiation and how sure. we have like brain cancer? No, absolutely. Absolutely. This is, is this is like the new version. This is like the new version of, um, oh, what are those? All those guys that were like suing BMW for the seats that caused prostate cancer and oh, geez, I didn't know that. This feels like, do I need to worry when I get an electric motorcycle that I'm being sterilized by the battery pack? Oh yeah, no, no, I don't. No, think I so. don't need to worry, or no, it's I not like that. No, I don't think so. That would be like, there's different levels of it. I mean. I don't think that's a, a major concern, but I think this is more for like... I, I feel like it is a major concern, Quentin. I think it's like... I'm majorly concerned. The I think the bulk of this is for the radio frequency stuff. Okay. I, I don't think it's a safety thing, but... The same reason worth, I have to turn my cell phone off in a plane. I, do you, though? I never do. You, you're, you're that guy. I am, for sure. So on the place that I went to that I can't talk about, I sat on a plane next to a girl who took her shoes off, took her socks off, put her feet down the the crack we were right behind the first class chairs put her seat down the armrest of the first class cabin and then proceeded to play a youtube video without headphones whoa whoa whoa! so if i was in first class you had stinky feet right next to your, me all right up on your right up on your business that's unreal i've never i was a little surprised that and then and then just strewed about all of her junk in the yeah. in the little aisle way of I mean I'm not surprised by this at all at all but I'm just like that's next level right there the other one would be the toe clippers you've seen the pictures of people with actually clipping their toenails on flights no <laughs> or ben, ben fox had a picture of that one oh gross oh. i have never encountered that but i usually fly first class so maybe that's just a different thing out there no i don't i don't think so i watched somebody change a diaper <laughs> on, That's fair, though. on the on the thing on the on the um the, the food flip, tray the flip down food tray in front of me in the middle of a 10-hour flight it was a it was See, a that next one level i'm almost gross. willing to give a pass no the not bathrooms having, are big enough man not having kids and not having gone through like the parenting thing of just hey when caca strikes and <laughs> this is just this is what just having a kid is all about yeah sure i haven't walked that walk and I can, I can at least kind of see like, well, this is kind of just. I don't know, man. You're triple it, flush, and you've walked plenty of walks. It's, and you, well, it's, it's right up there for me. Where like, flush. if you're gonna whip out a boob and breastfeed a kid in the middle of like rush hour oh, traffic, oh, that's all fine. Yeah, sure. It's right up there. It was just like, this is, hey, this is just what comes with the territory of having kids. Mm, I don't and know. I feel, like, I feel as non-breeders just don't understand. Yeah, sometimes. we can't, we can't comment. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. I'd say the bathroom's close enough. I mean, still wipe that puppy down afterwards. Oh, oh man. Anyways, lots of shit on airplanes. <laughs> you think about it well that was the other part um someone the next to me they like yard sailed their lunch basically and it was like food and a lot of drink all over the ground and i was kind of wondering 
When do they vacuum like yeah. shampoo? When these does that carpets? get the, the deep How clean? How many cycles does uh-huh. the plane go through before like the deep clean? You don't want to think about any. No. You, want, you don't want to think about any. And then of that. it goes right back to the barefoot chick putting yep. her, her yep, shoes right into the armrest. And the, you're like the clean crew doesn't know to to get out the old wet ones for that one. <laughs> no. <laughs> You no, know, you can't. You can't think about it. You have to stop. You have to just realize no. that you are in a germ tube. No, yeah, this is a that. good thing. The lady friend doesn't listen to this book. She's such a germaphobe, and I'm such the other way. I just don't care. I take my shoes off. I try. Well, my here's the deal. Swell, so I have to be very. Some if I'm wearing a certain shoe, I usually don't fly with laced shoes. Yeah, I can see that. I, I they're super uncomfortable yeah. for me. So I try. I have to. I'm mindful. I'm yeah. not like take the shoe off, cross the leg. Yeah, I'm not cross legged. Oh my gosh, that would be horrible. What am I heathen? And I feel bad when I'm doing it, but not bad enough not to do it because otherwise it's like notably uncomfortable. Depending on the shoes, which is why I bought those sweet little ninja shoes at one point in time. I just haven't flown with them enough. I should do, but they're like the Vibram, like no. where you where you fold no. them over. Oh yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me the the toe. Oh, I have toe. those too. Oh, but fuck you. I think I left them somewhere. I think. You think you left them? Someone so, stole somebody, those for somebody you. Somebody made sure that I left them somewhere. Yeah, that's fine with me. That person deserves a Nobel Prize. <laughs> I don't know. I like them. Do you want to talk about motorcycles some more? <laughs> <laughs> wow. We got a grand total of two stories done, Quentin. Okay. Five more right. to go. Well, yeah, let's, How let's, much time are we well, let's deep we're in this? We're like 40 minutes deep. Yeah, no more bathroom. Let's Let's keep out of the bodily functions, please. Oh, man. Unless it's going to be talking about an erect. <laughs> Speaking of tub girl, have you seen the uh, BMW R1250GS news? No, I haven't. Well, yeah. are you talking about with like like making it heavier and more complicated? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did see that. It's the winning, right? winning solution. What did you call it? Tub girl? Oh, my God. What the hell is tub girl? Don't Google that. <laughs> oh, Do no. not. This is early days internet horribleness. Oh, God. Is it like... Two girls, one tub type of level. Two girls, one tub would have loved this. Okay. All right. I don't need to know anything. Now you're going to get it. Oh, God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Someone made a cake, a tub girl cake. That's so gross. So we're talking like 4chan level Uh, or is it predate? Here's the best part. Google won't even show it to me. It's too, it's too, it's too bad. You're going to have to go to like a filter off. Yeah. Oh my gosh! There was no filter involved why with the, the in the tub. Where can I find this? Did I spell tub wrong? I mean, uh, yeah. Here we go. Oh yeah, you remember that one? Uh huh. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. Pretty impressively. Oh bad. my gosh! Uh, this, this can't be unseen. Uh. <sighs> All right, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, anyways, new BMW. <laughs> It's the tub girl the, of motorcycles. Not going to that press launch. Tell you that. <laughs> I think they're doing it in Iceland. <laughs> are they really? I think they actually are. Yeah. Yeah. I can see so that. This bike will debut at Intermont and the new S1000RR will come out at ICMA, is my understanding. Is Intermont beforehand? Yes. Okay. Intermont is first week, first week of October. Oh, and this is the one that goes uh, every, other, every year. other year. Yes. That's not bi yearly. That would be. It's biannual. Biannual. Yeah. That doesn't mean twice a year. What is it means that it means both. This, it is, this is how fucked up the English language I hate is. It. I hate that's why I, I get confused. Okay, I'm, that's all we need to say. As long as I know that I'm not crazy, I'm like, that's biannual. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nope. Yep. Has two meanings that are completely different from each other. <laughs> like it, the opposite. Be okay. Kind of confusing. Non native speakers, I feel your pain. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
1,254 cc's up from 1170. They're talking about 134 horsepower, which I think is good. A little bit more power for the GS would be good. Variable variable valve timing is supposedly coming to the valve train, which truthfully is probably the only way they're going to be able to get the power and still do emissions and just somehow make that. Well, you say 134 horsepower? Yes. I guess it's like. I don't really care about power numbers, and I, that actually sounds heartening that they're not like we're going to get up with 170 or yeah, whatever, like because it's number. it's ridiculous. But whatever the the Multistrada has, okay, if that's like your target, most of those like they were quoting 160 or something like that, and they get uh, like at the ground they're at like 130, 125, 130. Yeah. And if that's what BMW's saying, fair enough, then it makes sense. But otherwise, it's I think a bit, it's 130 at the crank, not the wheel. I whatever right and with the losses of that stupid fucking shaft drive god ugh. it's just everything about those things is uh but you know what whatever if it makes it better great hopefully they have to make it bigger better faster more that seems to be the thing right you got to make the thing um i wonder if they could ever like you know they make the the parallel twin 800 can you imagine if they downsized the flat twin just just so that people could still have their flat twin, their stupid cylinders hanging out the side of the bike like they do. But they have that mechanical signature that they love. Just make it smaller and lighter. Maybe maybe that would be good. It's actually an interesting idea. I know. It's not the craziest thing I've ever not heard. Not at you all, say. because the because the the parallel twin is so fucking soulless and horrible. Yo, you have to ride the new one. The eight fifty is completely different. Yeah. Different firing, different uh crank pin. If it if offset. it's a different firing order, that's it's the bulk two, of it. It's a two seventy crank. Yeah. Or it, this is the BMW. Don't quote me on that crank. But yes, it is different. Oh, okay. The eight hundred eight fifty seven hundred eight hundred series was soulless. You were right. Yeah, the seven fifteen eight fifty is completely huh. It's not just like, oh, we made it bigger. It's completely different crank, completely different. Yeah, and, uh, and good on them for doing that. I didn't even know that that happened. To be honest with you, that's we how much about I paid this attention. On the show. Did I? Do you listen to the show? Uh, well, I don't. I I talk on the show, but I don't remember talking on the show. I heard on. I had it on good authority that you listened to at least two shows in the last month. Uh huh. I did. Good for you. Most of them, I think. Right, because you have to stop and start. Because I'm working. I'm like, okay, break time, and I listen to a little bit, and I'm like, all right, uh, I, and I had to find something in one of them. So, all right. I hate listening to myself, man. I hate it. I hate it so I much. I hate listening to you, too. I bet. Right? So why do you do it? <laughs> Farm it out. <laughs> I've been pretty good this time, even though I'm in the position. I'm in the in the gurgly position. Yeah. All right. So BMW, great. Good good for them. We'll see how much. If, if they can manage to do it without making it heavier, I'll, I'll talk be heavier. shit. It's going to be a little heavier. About that. The Ducati is horrible for being heavier, and I don't think it's good, but I guess that's why I'm mentioning. Like, if they... That's why I make the joke about the hyper being an air cooled. Yeah, make it lighter, make it smaller. It'll be the direction that Ducati then eventually has to go to become the performance lightweight brand that they used to be. And they're going to have excuses to be like, well, we've made the new next generation lighter and better because it's lighter and smaller and less, you know, bulbous and heinous and wildebeest like, right? I think next show we should sit down and do one because I've been kind of playing this mental game myself, but we should sit down and think about, go through each brand on which bikes we'd actually buy from them yeah sure that's cool i like that that'd because, be good because that's you bring that up like yeah. ducati I was, and I was telling this to a ducati person the other day i'm like i don't know what ducati would buy right now mm. like i kind of like i kind of like the multi desert sled i don't know if i'd buy desert sled yeah i know but that's what i would do you ever see how expensive those things are no i haven't i haven't yeah, even paid attention that's, that's where it gets you desert sled is a bike yeah okay but am i gonna pay like 12 grand for it nope 
I don't, it doesn't, doesn't bother me. I, I think my brain isn't stuck in, you know, 2005 pricing. So I don't, I'm not really bothered by $12,000 for, uh, an 1100 CC, the 1100, right. It'd be what I'd want the new one, whatever they're going to yeah. come out with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I, you're, I'm with you. I don't, well, we should do that on the show on another show. Yeah. And, and not tangent off on it now. Cause I could see us doing that. You don't want to scroll off on it now. No, that's okay. I just wanted to double check. Yeah, eleven, eleven, seven. It looks like. Yeah, sure. Maybe even eleven nine. Why do I, Why do I have two prices for this? I don't oh, know. You always just wait colors. until August when all the Ducati dealers are desperately trying to make their their quota, their their numbers for the year, because you know that's what they do, and they've done it every so year. You got like a week left on that. Uh huh. So you just yeah. wait till that and go buy Ducati, and you get it for way cheaper than that. Yeah. Um. Speaking of things that happen, I don't have no segue for this. So I apologize. Yamaha caught improperly testing emissions in Japan. Yeah, which is really interesting. I, I, the whole thing is really interesting. This is very, the whole thing's very Japanese. Yeah. It's very Japanese. I think, I think we just don't understand it because we're yep. not Japanese. So first of all, understand that in Japan, manufacturers self-test their yeah. emissions and they self-certify it. And that's very similar to what happens in the U.S. It is. It's very interesting. And, yep. and, and I was actually going to go back to the helmet store that we we're talking about the air conditioned helmet they're like oh it's dot certified and like yeah but only because you can say that without you can say your dot your dot certified until proven otherwise uh -huh. yep um so yeah we have a great system in place here uh -huh. but it ended up that um a lot of japanese automotive manufacturers were not properly adhering to the the testing requirements and it wasn't so much that they were fudging the numbers and they were doing something wrong it was that their tolerances weren't being as strictly enforced. So if it says you have to run the car at 60 miles an hour for 120 seconds, and it has to read in between this range yeah. of variables to be, to be a pass. Sometimes they would test it for it'd be like, 115 seconds. Sometimes it'd be 130 or it'd be like 65 miles an hour or 55 miles an hour. Close enough. Which isn't very Japanese, but it is if you want to pass the the for stringent. for something that is being self tested when you're yeah. basically on the honor system, you should probably be doing it a little bit better. So um, things kicked off in 2016. Mitsubishi got caught, and then last year Nissan and Subaru got caught, and that caused the Japanese government to be like, "All right, you fuckers have clearly not been doing this properly, so we're going to audit everyone and see what's up." And what was it? it was like six out of eight. Five out of eight automotive uh, companies in Japan were found to be not in compliance. Yamaha being one of them. Suzuki was also, but it was Suzuki cars, not Suzuki motorcycles. Huh. But Yamaha motorcycles um, were found to be outside the uh, the limits. And it caused, again, very Japanese. It's not like you haven't really done anything wrong. You, you have. You've betrayed the trust of the people, basically. Yeah. But in Japan, this was a big deal. And there was there were CEOs coming out and apologizing, doing formal apologies. The Yamaha um, uh, motor company from, from Japan, their leadership publicly apologized. Was this at the same time they were apologizing for giving Rossi a piece of shit MotoGP bike? <laughs> like, hey, we're sorry that you didn't get into... Yes, because their testing verbs were, were not <laughs> adhered to. Um, no, I think that was a separate thing. But this was kind of a big deal... In Japan, stock. I mean, if you looked at the the Nikkei, the um, the local yeah stock market, they took a hit. All the stocks for these companies took a pretty good hit. I think Yamaha was down 
uh, 5.3% on the news. Yikes. So it's not like... No, that's a significant... It's not like it was like a little like, oh, who cares thing. Like, you well, this in terms of money, this affected them pretty heavily. And you can better believe that the Japanese government will be taking a closer look in the next couple of years. At their uh, laws regarding this, yeah. Well, and just how closely people are adhering to it. I think sure. there's going to be um, a bit more... Uh, adherence there was a lot of talk about retraining people and making clear like hey you know the guidelines really like you really do have to fail that test if they go 101 kilometers instead of 100 kilometers like that's a fail you've you've gone outside the criteria or whatever it is i don't think those are the actual or you haven't if you only went 99 and haven't gone 100 etc it's important to note i know this is true for yamaha and i don't know if it's true for the other brands that when they retested all the machines, they were still found to be in compliance. <laughs> so, so it's not yeah, that it's not yeah, like right. a, a Volkswagen diesel no, kind of sure, thing sure. where, hey, you know, we're we're doing. You some just weren't thing. doing the tests as good as you could have been. Yeah, you didn't and know who what knows you didn't why. Know. Maybe it was just a misprint or something within all of the mm. organizations. They're like, ah, we're so good, we're so far. No, they away. attributed really to like a lack of training. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Maybe yeah. they were like, well, your numbers are so good, then why go for that extra 15 seconds or whatever the thing is, right? I could see totally fudging that. Human beings, right? Yeah. If you know the thing's going to pass no matter what, you're like, whatever. Right? Yeah, that's not a very Japanese way of looking no, at it. No, I can't imagine it is, but... Speaking of sinewy meats, Quentin... <laughs> <laughs> Ducati Ducatian Hero might be making a baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm literally, it's like whatever you say is going to be the transition. <laughs> that would actually work pretty that's, well. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, seeing this, it's like, okay, all right. Uh, congratulations to those who are well stocked up in their liquor cabinets this show because we've said Ducati 34,000 times thus far. Yeah. All right. So, Hero, what can you say about Hero? I, I remember reading this because this is a couple weeks old now, and somebody had to throw down the Buell, and I think it might have been internal to Alta, we have a one uh, person that used to work at Buell and it was like, oh, here we go again. It's like, it's not even even close to the same thing, right? It's not even close. Like if here in Ducati or even even if it's, say, say it's true and everything's going, then of course they're going to be doing it smart and it's a bigger company and they've got an established system and I can see it working and I can't see any problem with it. Do you see anything wrong with it? Wow, you're really you're having a crunch on this. I don't know how I feel about this. So I look at it from the perspective of it was just last week or two weeks ago where we had the CEO of Volkswagen kind of talking about the future of Ducati and basically saying, "Hey, we either need to sell this brand, yeah, or it needs to grow beyond. We need to we need to click it into another level. Sure, it needs. And he was kind of talking about acquiring other brands or Ducati acquiring other brands. Sure, and having that be like these are the two roads ahead, and we. We know Hero was involved in in bidding on um, Ducati when it was for sale, or, or trying to be for sale. So there's some interesting things there. Maybe this was what opened the doors, and they're like, "Okay, well, if you're not maybe not willing to sell, but we really would like to have a a, a Halo brand involved with to make small bikes and make them rad." Yeah, I don't know. I just don't know. I just I just have a hard time looking at my crystal ball and seeing how that really works. Because you can see kind of the Ducati partners of Hero. They get manufacturing in India. Hero helps them develop small displacement machines that they sell in India, Southeast Asia, and China, maybe South America, and blah, 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 blah. You should start this segment 
with the song, I need a hero. You know that 80s song? It's a, no. Is it Tina Turner? I don't know if, I don't think it is Tina. We don't need another hero. Oh, wow. That's even better. Yeah. No, that would be the good. Yeah. Yeah, but that's Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. You can't really tie that in. But anyway, sorry. It's Tina Turner, man. Oh, yeah, that that is worth. What song did she write that wasn't an instant classic? That's the question. She's an amazing, amazing entity for sure. All right, keep going. Sorry to interrupt. I was just thinking about how good that song would would uh, sound. I think there's an argument. I don't know if I believe this argument or not. I'm just throwing it out there. I think there's an argument that Ducati could kind of just do what Ferrari does. Yeah. And just say, you guys want to make small displacement bikes. You guys want to go do that thing. That's cool. You go do you. We only want to sell 50,000 units a year or maybe less. Maybe we only want to sell 30,000. we want to worry about, right? And we just want to be that sport bike, super sporty brand, which is kind of what MV wants to do, to be sure, honest. Sure, sure. And and not worry about that nonsense. And not, not worry about, about that growth, r- like that rat race and the growth side of it. I mean, that's the problem with Audi, especially if they want to sell it. They bought um, Ducati for about a billion dollars. It was like eight hundred million euro, I believe, at the time. Yeah. I don't know if Ducati as a brand has become considerably more valuable. Maybe you can sell it for nine hundred million, maybe less. I'd have to actually look back at the numbers and kind of crunch some math. But I don't. It's not like there's been a a good deal of growth. No, sure. Ducati kind of sold at the top, and it hasn't really grown under Audi stewardship. Now it might be more um, financially strong. There might be less debt on the books. They might make more profit. I don't. I don't know. That's an yeah, internal sure. thing. But from an outside perspective, I haven't really seen the brand grow. And this comes back to that, like, well, what bike in that brand would I buy? I'd buy, I, I like the Panigale V4. I don't know if I would buy a Panigale V4. Sure. We've talked about that. Because and that's the Panigale V4S is $27,000. Yeah. And I can go get a really bitching super bike for almost half that price and laugh yeah. all the way to the bank with tires, track days, and yeah. goodies. Getting the same amount of excitement. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So maybe, but maybe you, there's value in being like, yeah, we are the 27000 30000 yep. whatever. I'm. I can understand that. I can't hate um, on them for that if they did that. And we just do the Ferrari thing. And this, because it is kind of interesting. Um, I remember when I started motorcycling and the people I saw riding Ducatis, and you're like, wow, that guy's got a Ducati. They must, that's, it's impressive that you have that much free money that you could buy something so extravagant and expensive. That's really no better than a Gixxer or an R1 or whatever it was at the time. So interesting. And now I kind of look like, a lot of my friends have Ducatis. Like, what are all these 30-something-year-old guys and girls running around on Ducatis doing with their with their millennial jobs? Dude, imagine what it was like for me. The Ducatis were legitimately rare in the mid-90s. Like, incredibly rare. Yeah. Very special. Very, very difficult to see, especially where I was in Central Texas. So, it went from being that to... Imagine what it was like when I was working at Pro Italian in 1999, and you're watching the trickle down of probably about five years worth of Ducati waking up. Actually, this is Texas Pacific group doing what it did and making them popular, putting them out there. And it became a fad and it became like people now thinking about how back then they were still rare. It's like, no, they were, but I was in LA. I was where they were almost ubiquitous and anybody had one and it became just, I don't know. It just became watered down red Kool-Aid. So I, I kind of got away from it for a while because of that. I was like, oh, they they didn't excite me. Now I'm back. I I like them. Or I went back for a while. And when I worked for the company, obviously you're in it. You're just kind of like part of it. 
it's it's easy to drink the Kool-Aid when the product's awesome, but then I watch it kind of dilute again, and I, it feels like it's diluted again, where it's like, especially with the Scramblers, it just became... Scrambler kind of, I don't know. The Scrambler needed to be a different brand. It, well, didn't, it didn't needed not to be Scrambler by Ducati. I think that's the miss, because it is kind of... I do think Ducati lost some prestige by having the Scrambler, because when you see like a 20-something hipster dude on a Scrambler icon... And he's a part of the Ducati club now. And I know they've tried to market it and, and separate it, but I, I don't understand the whole Ducati club thing. Like why does that? Well, I don't I mean, that's, it's just as much of a thing as it is like the BMW crowd or the Harley Davidson crowd. I mean, there's, there's, I guess that's what I hate about it. I don't want that. It's just, it's well, a motorcycle. I think you're the minority on that. I think that's part of the reason people buy Ducatis and part of the reason people buy Ferraris is that they can be a part of that. And that's the gross that part elite of it. group. That is for sure. The gross part of it. The somebody that that doesn't know what a Lusso is and couldn't tell the difference between an F50 and an F40 or whatever it is that like you know doesn't know any of the history um, doesn't can't can't tell I you. I think you're being who, too cynical there. I think you're being way too cynical there. I think I think guys that buy Ferraris or girls or girls know Ferraris. I think they're I think they're at least stakeholders they're, of the brand. They're Ferrari enthusiasts. They're not car enthusiasts though. Not a lot of right. Them. Not a lot of them. I'm right. sure there's plenty that are, but, but it just feels but I, creepy. But I think that's the difference, though, because when you go and look at the Scrambler crowd, I don't think the Scrambler crowd knows anything about what a Panigale V4 is or, and how it's different from a 1299. And why should they? They just they know that they like that bike, and it happens to be a Ducati, and it's part of this whole lifestyle because it becomes where it's a lifestyle brand, right? So like a BMW S1000RR owner is very analogous to a BMW M owner. And in our brains, we're like, well, it's a performance BMW owner, but not think, really. I don't think that's true. At I know. All. I don't think it is at I all. Think I think it all. became like a Jixxer owner, right? I, I think absolutely. Sure. I, think, I think the S1000 RR sold because it was European technology at a Japanese price point. On top of that, super balloon payment finance system. Yeah, sure. So every Skippy that wanted to, you know, yep. have the latest, greatest whammy bammy thing for zero dollars. Ended up buying it. And then they experienced the, frankly, probably the after-sale service that they were getting from BMW, which is pretty good as far as warranty issues and dealing with the shops, et cetera. Good shops, a lot of everywhere. That they kind of kept in the brand. And I don't know, as the S1000R... Do you think it's like a gateway drug? Is that what you're trying to say? Kind of, right? I don't think it was. I don't have... I have no data to back, back yeah, this up. Yeah, it'd be interesting to find and out. And from my experience with BMW, I don't think they have any data to back it up. <laughs> right? But, but it's you, you those... see what I'm saying, though? Like, that... That is something that I think Ducati did better than BMW because you, when you can make a $80,000 Ducati that's special, people flock to it and they sell out of them. Nah. Whereas on the BMW side, they'd made it and they're, they're not really... HP4 race. I think it's... 18 have been sold now. Yeah, so and, it's, and, and that's an example year. of, you know what? If there were more in the whole United States, Quentin. Yep, if there were more BMW M car owners that were were BMW motorcycle enthusiasts, you probably would sell more of those, you know what I mean? Cuz they can sell a 130, 50, 60,000 electric car, and if there's got to be motorcycle owners that are BMW car owners that would be into it if they had that deep enthusiasm, but they don't. Not as same as Ducati, I don't yeah, think. I think it's interesting. I think it's hard to make a comparison with like an M3 owner or an M or an M car owner because there's such a history with the BMW M series and the M badge, and a lot of it is rooted in the M3. Yeah, sure. Where like you're right. that is such a badass car that has such a history yeah. of being a badass car iteration after iteration year after year 
I mean, if you can find an old M3, you're still finding a gem of a vehicle, you know, c- compared to the, I mean, even the new ones now, well, now the new ones are four so To a point, yeah, especially in that 80s, 90s era, whatever the E36 or whatever, I can't remember all the tech. For me, though, a true enthusiast knows the M1 and would would give body parts to have an M1 from the late 70s, early 80s. And a lot of the M skippies only find out about it once they buy the car. And I guess that's just that's just motorcycle and car enthusiasm in general. And now that we have the Instagrams and the Facebooks to be able to spread that information about these rare, interesting, exotic vehicles easily, where it took me pouring through magazines and going into the stacks at Texas A&M University to look in road and tracks and car and drivers for 20 years before when I was going there. So this had been from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. I would go and pour about into this information and read old cycle worlds. And I love all that stuff. And now you can become an instant expert. Boom, you're like Ferrari, Tifosi, high-level Ferrari person right off the bat. And you don't have to have any skin in the game. You just have like 10 different Instagram people that post pictures of their car. Yeah. And now you know. I think I think it's, I think you have to be careful how cynical you get there. Because going back to the M to the m3 model or um example i sure i bet there's absolutely people that show up at a bmw dealership hey i want to buy a sedan which one's the most expensive (laughs) yeah sure oh it's the m3 yeah that's the one i want um i don't really care about horsepower or the tracking it's just i just want people to know that i spent a lot of money on this car yeah is there a way that you can actually charge me more money (laughs) and then write that on the side of the car because that's what i'm looking for (laughs) i think that guy exists yeah um I don't know. I'm there's just, there's I'm no not, cynicism I'm not, here. I'm not, I'm not saying, hating. I'm not saying that's all these cases, but I think there's also a lot of people who are like, yeah, I want an M3 because it's an M3. And that badge means something to me. Yeah, and the I know M the badge history. in general. Yeah. I know the history of this car. That's a sure. coveted machine. I wanted an M3 when I was a kid. Yeah. It's still wicked badass now. Okay, maybe I'm buying an M4 because I want a coupe, not a four-door, yeah, but sure. whatever. Um, or an M5 or M6 or whatever it is. Whatever I had a friend that wanted one because it had the V10 that was architecture from a formula one engine and he ended up with it and it was wicked and he was stoked on it and from an enthusiast standpoint this is also a person that likes motorcycles it was a track day um, is a track day um, uh, coach and he loved that car and it was super rad but it was tough to deal with very finicky and they ended up buying whatever other m vehicle because it was like it just straight up made more sense so they have cars that are like that where's the bike there was nothing tricky about that s1000rr yeah, they had a couple failures early on. Early early bikes weren't didn't handle that well. Whatever it was, it was like they got it sorted out pretty quick. It quickly became so good that it would just eclipsed pretty much everybody else. Still goes very well, even though it's ten years old now. It doesn't do anything for me looks wise, but it's not. It's not it like, hasn't aged super gracefully. But it's, it's not GS ugly, end. but it's not like it's not Ducati pretty, right? Or it's not even well. It is better than a Yamaha. So. There's a lot of reasons why I would not opt for a BMW, but I understand those who do. And and from a branding standpoint, if you're looking at like them making the little bikes now, the 300, whatever, yeah. like does that do anything for BMW uh, motorcycles, BMW cars, BMW so, in general? I'm so glad you brought that up because I had a conversation that was roughly about the BMW 310 platform. Yeah. And we were, we were talking specifically about the BMW G310 GS. Yeah. And just this idea of like, I don't think BMW had any plan with that bike where they were just like, well, okay, so we got to make a 300cc bike because that's a big thing right now. Uh, we got to make it a platform because that's how we make sense of it. So we'll make a naked bike. We'll make a sport you know, kind of bike, which isn't out yet, but we'll hopefully be out this year. 
and we'll just make a we'll make like an adventure bike we'll make a gs version i mean no one's going off-road on a g310 gs no one's gonna go ride that bike it would have to be an adventure bike way sure it would have to be like what you're about to go ride the honda 450 it would have to be like super performance yeah oriented but it's not And, and, and no one's i haven't gotten a chance to ride these bikes but i've talked to a lot of colleagues about them and they're like there's nothing really spectacular about these machines they don't do anything very well they're just they're just kind of cheaper, smaller BMWs. Price point. And it was literally just, I think it's just literally BMW being like, well, our GS is our most popular bike, so we should make this new platform in our most popular bike, and it's very aspirational. And you just kind of sit there like, yeah, we'll just go fuck off with that because it's just, like, I just don't care. It, just, it doesn't do anything GS-y. It's not a GS. Like, let's just call it. It's just not a GS. You're not going to go dual sporting with it. You're not going to go adventuring with it. You're not going to go touring with it. At best, it's a street bike for cities that don't have good roads. So, you know, like you're just like kind of faking it. It's just a fake bike. So unless it was, that's what I'm saying, unless it was as good as a um, DRZ en- enduro, or something. Well, let's, let's even call it like any one of the KTM, Honda, Yamaha, WRX, right? It would have to be like a focused badass. And they tried that. I don't know if you remember that weird concentric swing arm pivoted bike. Is that the same engine you have in yours? The G450X? Yes. It is. So they tried with that, and they were close. They were like, that has potential. There were people that were trying to- That was a dirt bike. Right? Absolute dirt bike that could you could make a street platform on, maybe. Right? But I think that was was a bridge too far for for BMW, and they didn't quite know what to do with it. And it had too many weird things going on that Uh was just a little too radical for the market at the time. No, absolutely. Um, It would be too radical anytime because it sucked because that concentric swing arm pivot just didn't do the thing. On the dirt. (laughs) Right. That's rad in Supermoto. Yeah. Um, Where was I going with all this? The Ducati hero, but trying to find an analog for Ducati to make small bikes. I'm not as bothered by it, but I see what you're saying. That's the point where it's just like, so you're going to go make these. So BMW is making these small bikes and you're just kind of like, it's just so off brand. It's just so aspirational and it's not actually a thing. So they're going to come out with the G310 RR, which will be the... Like, um, like it'll compete against like the Ninja 300, sure, sure, sure. the Ninja 400, the RC 390. And you don't think the they R3. need that? And I just look at it and you're like, I mean, maybe, maybe it'll be fun on a track, but it's this big single cylinder, just kind of. Do they need it? Do, does it do anything for them? Does it make them more money? Does it get customers to buy bikes that they wouldn't otherwise? Or is BMW already an aspirational brand like Ducati is? Like you're talking about with Ferrari. Why does Ferrari even need to think about making a you know an A car or one of the little small like the Mercedes like a smart car? Does does Ferrari need to brand that? Aston Martin did. It's weird, right? They they decided that they were going to do that because they wanted to branch into the. I don't know how that's going, but I can't imagine Ferrari doing that because that would be it would be gross. You know, it's it's just doesn't feel right. Certain companies though need to make they need to say t- 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 like Porsche with its whatever you call their four-wheel cayenne yeah like they did really well with that they fucking crushed it right horrible like for me they posted a picture recently on instagram where it was a picture of like an old 930 turbo red looked bitching like 80s and then uh a car in front of it i thought it was a kia i'm like why are they showing a picture of a kia i was like oh no that's some version of whatever their awful thing is four-door blah 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 crossover bullshit 
but that's them making money, man. They had to do it. And on the Ducati side, does Ducati have to do that? Or would they be better served putting their money, efforts, and time and energy elsewhere? I say for sure they would. But I was also at the company five years ago when they were talking and had plans for their new production facility close to the existing one there in Bologna. And they were talking that up. This is back when... Um, Del Torquio was still going and he had that plan and that was the thing. And then that's what they need to grow is to be better at what they do manufacturing wise. Right. See, yeah. I think it's funny because Porsche is always the brand I hear brought up when we talk about these kind of brand extensions. And I think it's because Porsche has done a really good job. You kind of frown on the Cayenne, but I look at the whole Porsche lineup and yeah, not everything's a 911, but can you make an entire company around a 911? No. But I look at all those cars and all those SUVs and all those crossovers, and I go, those are all, those all still feel like Porsches. They're a little new, and some of them feel a little weird and a little different, but they're all Porsches. They're all very performance-focused. They're all very luxurious. They all handle really well and do the thing very well. And if they, and if they don't go any further, I'm fine with it. That's, you've got like five, six models. Don't go anymore. And I think that's the issue where like Ducati went too far, where it's like, okay, like they, they kind of lost me after the Multistrada. I was okay with the Multistrada because it was still very much <laughs> a sport bike. They didn't lose you because then you've been on Hypers for a really long the time. The Hyper came before it, though. So I'm, I'm fine with that because the Hyper is... No, it didn't. The Multistrada, is, the Hyper is based off a of Multistrada I'm talking platform. about the water-cooled Multistrada. Oh, okay. The original Multistrada... That was too far for the brand at the time. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was crazy. Yeah. And I ride one, and it's bizarre to ride one. Yeah. But that's because it's a, a better version of what they have now, which is big and bloated and gnarly and heavy. Well, yeah, to an extent. I, I agree with you to an extent, but not all the way. Uh, but dude, the Multistrada is absolutely a Panamera, Kana, Para, Pana, whatever. Panamera, Porsche, you had it right the first time. Right, ever. That, that's exactly what it is. It's They're pretty, they, for me, the part of it is like, I can't believe I ride these things, but they do the thing. They do all, but they it, check all the boxes for the most part. But it was one of the part. first adventure bikes to come out that had a grip of horsepower. Yeah, sure. That's why I'm okay with it, where it's like, you came out, you made an adventure bike the way Ducati should make an adventure bike. You didn't make a GS. Yeah. You didn't put sure. a big 21-inch wheel on it. No, they did a weird knobbies thing. knobbies yeah. and a nine-gallon, oh wait, I'm nope. describing they an They made Enduro. a motard for the street, right? But it, 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 made, a, it made a fuck ton of horsepower it handled really well if you had to have only one bike in your garage that's a pretty good bike to have if yep. you have sport bikey leanings and want to be able to do other things you can take it to a track day if you want to you can take it a long trip you can do a lot of things with it sure i have done um but now like i just i don't know everything feels kind of muted and that's where i kind of like i get kind of like i don't know what to make of this ducati hero thing like it kind of makes sense from like all the businessy things that we talk about in terms of developing markets, small displacement, yeah, um, manufacturing outside of Europe, outside of America, um, and you go, okay, yeah, I can see, I can see why. I just one, I think they're late to the game. Two, I don't know what the end result really looks like. And three, it just feels like okay, if we're going to do that, then we're really going to dilute the Ducati brand, and then you've probably lost me as a customer because I'm already wavering. I'm already looking at that KTM down in my garage and be like, that's a ratter bike than the multi. Mm -hmm. I'm already looking at other yeah. Super Duke. Yeah. I'm already like dripping I'm, about I'm that. Already I'm already, looking, I'm already at looking at an RSV4 uh, Super Bike. I'm already, I mean, there's so many other brands that have me intrigued now because Ducati is kind of, they've gotten soft. You know, I, I, when I, I would love to do this show where we sit down and talk about bikes that we'd actually buy because I don't think Ducati is going to have a single bike on that list and I'm going to probably list a lot of rival manufacturers 
for the bikes that I want. Just, just, just my gut feeling. Yeah, sure. So that should be a wake up call to someone in Bologna. I don't know. Time will tell. Um, you need a hero is what you need. You don't need another. Oh. Got about an hour 20 in. You want to do another? Sure. You want to talk about um, Alta's first recall? Yeah. Total recall. So I got a phone call about this. Oh, you did? Um, it sounds kind of innocuous, really. Uh, it is. It's, the- an, it's an interesting. I'll, I'll tell you what. Here, here's the takeaway for me. The interesting part for me is the fact that you guys can fix it by plugging it into a computer and going boop, 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 and you're done. And you're in and out of your dealer in 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully that would be the deal, right? Um, yeah. That's that's the brave new world we're in, right? The, we get a, a throttle, uh, an e-throttle from a manufacturer that also supplies BMW. BMW uses their throttle. Uh, when, you, when you roll it forward instead of back to turn on the throttle, you roll it forward, it cancels their cruise control. So when it does that, it provides a voltage that's, you know, a specific amount. And for the first year and a half of the production, that voltage wasn't enough to trigger our system to say that there's a fault. But they the last batch they came up with in, I don't know, a couple months ago, all of a sudden we started getting these reports of people that were like, hey, my, my bike said throttle fault. And then I had to key on, key off, and then it worked again. And then, then the last next time I went into a corner, it did the same thing. I was like, ooh, that's scary. So we figured out what it was. It took the engineers a bit to figure out not only why this was happening, but how, how to fix it. Because it's, it's not firmware changes, especially on the throttle side. It's gnarly. There's a lot going on there. So they had to take some time to do that and then vet the change and then get it through. So it was for me being in the company and watching how quickly we reacted to it was heartening cuz for the same reason you're saying cuz it was mostly firmware. It was a bunch of zeros and ones being moved around. It took some major brain power to do it, but we were able to get from understanding what the failure was to getting it out as a recall within like such a short amount of time that I was pretty happy. At the same time it was a bummer because I a lot of customers ended up with that bikes that were like shutting off and it's fuck that's got to be a horrible experience right so uh, but yeah it wasn't not a too not too big all things considered if you have to issue a recall and you're not having to change parts or anything like that it's updating firmware then you're in a pretty good way for a company's first recall that's getting off pretty easy i'd say so it's pretty interesting i i love the fact that that's kind of where we're headed where where recall issues are going to be fixed via software i mean there'll still always be mechanical issues no doubt. There'll still always be like a hey a wheel's gonna i think the first recall on the 2010 multistrata 1200 was firmware yeah. I'm, I'm almost 100 percent sure that it was a firmware package that it was basically the bike needs to be updated so that was you know it's been happening for a long time i'm sure there are other recalls that are similar to that and i think that was like abs or throttle or something like that right i can't remember throttle sounds right it, it's been so long i can't remember i remember there was that a kick there was a kickstand one too or a shifter <laughs> no, no no i'm not making a joke i know there's, i know there was something there was all at once right there was a big recall that happened and it was like we're going to group all these together and do the thing but that's been eight years so i don't remember the thing that will be interesting with time and you guys probably aren't that far away from it is where something like this wouldn't even really be a recall per se. It would just be if like, it was Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. Like, hey, it, make sure your router's on tonight. We're going to push out an update. Yep. And that's kind of cool. But I don't think that would ever get away. I can't see it. The way National Highway Traffic Safety Administration has to look at this stuff, they need to see reports of this getting fixed, right? So the dealers have to go to that VIN and open up that thing and close out that claim. And that is what triggers the, 
Well, it, but I, maybe there would be a way for them to see how does how many of these bikes are updated. Yeah, and, well, and maybe the Wi-Fi back. would go into like they have a database of of the updated. Why wouldn't bike. it? Why wouldn't it it's be true. like, hey, bike number thirty-two just ping back, update yep. completed, now on version eleven. Yeah, fixed. But the what? If, it, there's a lot of people though that might be, especially on the dirt bike side, out and about in the middle of nowhere. I'll say that I just encountered this, a very similar thing in Colorado. Uh, people have them on their property out in the middle of the mountains, and they didn't know they needed an update. You know, they need to they need to know the only way you do it is issuing a recall because then. Well, it, yeah, th- I understand the issue of the recall. I'm just saying the remedy. Like you go yeah. and you read these recall reports, yeah. and it's like, and you'll take it down you to even, your Alta dealer, you and they'll go do, do the thing. Tesla, I think they've already had recalls where it's just like make sure your car's on and the Wi-Fi is connected because then it'll update the ECUs. Okay, so that I haven't seen. I think that might have happened. Either that, or they've already had. It might not have been a recall level thing, but it was definitely a hey, there's a bulletin regarding your car. Make sure it's updating. I know a new Tesla was pushing out updates to software for um, charging, charging for their uh, semi-autonomous navigation and things like that as they were improving the technology. Yeah. I knew they were doing active updates for features. I just haven't heard anything about uh, recalls, but I'm not really in that space. Yeah, neither am I. I just thought that that was a deal, maybe because I'm in a company that's surrounded by uh, Tesla, ex-Tesla employees. Ah, yeah, that'll help. That'll do it. Mm-hmm. A lot of them um, that have learned a lot, a lot from having been in that space and trickles right down to making smaller vehicles. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if we have enough time for this story. But oh, we, we can, do. We can try and we can try. We can try and squeeze it in there. President Trump encourages boycott of Harley Davidson motorcycles. Well, we've already kind of covered this. Like, we've talked about the the trade war. We've talked about the friction between the Trump administration and Harley Davidson, but it's still going on, Quentin. And it's very interesting for me to see a sitting U.S. president advocating the boycott of not just an American company, an but American probably institution. Not even like a yeah, uh, an American. It's like apple pie, Harley Davidson, right? And like, not even like that. It's a company that. Like basically sells bikes by injecting itself into Americana. America. It's like, yeah. uh, are you a, a war a red blooded American? Do you, you like surely Eagles? must ride? Yeah, absolutely. How do you not like our Harley Davidson motorcycles? Because sure. it's so star spangled awesome. Yeah. The thing that's interesting for me, and this is this is probably the better place to start a conversation because it kind of gets us outside of politics. Yeah, gets us on motorcycles. Uh, the thing that's interesting for me is the bikers for Trump uh-huh. yeah. versus the Harley Davidson biker. So it's, it's like yeah. this interesting Sophie's choice uh-huh. of, of For sure. what thing you're holding more dear. Do you hold the, your political alliance to the president more dearly than you do this, this motorcycle brand that you have literally tattooed to your chest? <laughs> I mean, I mean, imagine that. I mean, like you and I aren't, aren't Harley Davidson people, Quentin. So it's, 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 I don't know, man. There's a certain break point. Have you ever seen a fuck the factory sticker? You don't. So back is this, in, a, is this like a alt rock band from the 70s? Fuck the factory. That's really good. FTF. Um, there's plenty of people that weren't stoked by Harley Davidson going from what it was to AMF level back in the, I mean, the bowling lane company. Oh, and the, that, the that, glory years of Harley oh Davidson, God, you mean? Right, that was just churning <laughs> out shit uh, to then getting boom on the stock market and what happened in the 80s that, that made it, frankly, 
built it to be the the juggernaut that it has been for the past 30 years. Um, there's a lot of people that weren't very happy with that. And I, I don't think there's any problem from their standpoint of saying, fuck the factory again uh, at all. And they will, they seriously, these are the type of people that would go and ride a shovel head because fuck that Evo because it's a, it's the newer, it represented the Evo engine at the time. This is again, late eighties, early nineties represented the new corporate horrible Harley that was making money and making product that was decent, et cetera, et cetera. And they'd rather have to keep on making these shovels and knuckles and pans run. And so they actually have a lot of cred because of that. And that I, I, maybe that's going to be what happens here. You're going to see a lot of people that are like, I'm never buying a Harley Davidson that was made past 2015. Right. I can see that being it. Right. But I love my Harley Davidson. The funny thing <laughs> for me, except that's a great example because is that person actually ever going to buy another Harley Davidson? <laughs> that's a good one. No, You're absolutely right. I don't mean right. that in any way other than you bought a bike in 2015. You're 65 years old. You don't need do another you, one. Or do you have another motorcycle that you're going to buy in your lifetime? If I'm mean, assuming you're a one bike person. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I would. My dad. I mean, maybe. I mean, the, like I'm rolling the dice. Am I going to live to 80? I don't know. Am I still running a motorcycle at 80? Probably not. The, this is very appropriate because my dad just donated... His 883 that he bought, and I was once I left school, once I left home, I was like 1996. He bought it from my high school chemistry teacher. It was an 883 Sportster with a peanut tank, and he's had it for since 1996. And he just hadn't been riding it, and he wasn't really bothered by not riding it any longer. And he he donated to the PBS, and he just did that last week. PBS like the TV station, uh-huh. oh, PBS, okay. because he felt that that you know there's some program in Central Texas where they were you know you donate your vehicle to it's like cars for kids, cars says, for yeah, public television. Yeah, same thing. He probably gets a tax write off or whatever. But it's of note. He's seventy. He just turned seventy five years old, right? So he's like, I don't know. I'm trying to get him an Alta for the farm because why not? But you guys sense. are all out of them. Yeah. Well. That would be what actually would be trying to get him on one of the last year's models. So he'd be stoked to have something like that to visit around the farm, but he doesn't want the heart. I don't think it had anything to do, but I should ask him because he's, he's a, uh, a very liberal person and I could see him being like, fuck the factory. <laughs> but he's actually in this situation, he's like, well, maybe, uh, maybe they're doing good. Maybe they're standing up to, to an entity that's obviously uh, uh, evil. I don't think, companies make decisions no i I agree i think for harley davidson this is and i said this in the story this is this is very easy for harley davidson they're finally talking about a business plan that's being written in in the 21st century yeah and that means probably not making that many more bikes in the united states that probably means making more bikes in southeast asia india brazil china wherever that may be this is their brave new world they're facing it the it's a world economy the european market is only a growth market because they've been neglecting it for so long and in reality their growth markets are those same markets i just listed for making production so this idea of you know these american glory years well that's not really the reality for the brand and oh by the way we need to start making small displacement bikes we need to start making other segments of bikes and we need to start engaging um, you know, different demographics and age groups. Uh, you don't need to look any longer, any further than Buick and Oldsmobile and whatever. I rode in a Lincoln on my secret trip. And at first I was like, holy fuck, I didn't realize Lincoln was still in business. Nah. And second, I was like, well, this is actually kind of an interesting car. I, like, I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to be like a Mercedes right now. Oh, like Cadillac. 
looked like Cadillac. Out of all of those that I was just about to say, from GM standpoint, I it feels like we've talked about this on the show, but Oldsmobile and, and Buick, they they died. They let them. They had to. Yeah. Right. The, those were the old people's cars. There's no market for that. Doesn't matter. But they rearranged Cadillac to be the 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 premier brand, and right. Harley has to be like Cadillac. The Escalade saved that brand. The Escalade was kind of the first kind of proper premium luxury SUV, full-size SUV. Yep. And it kind of hit that point in time when that was the thing, where SUVs were coming on hot, SUVs were the new people mover. Sure. We wanted, there wasn't really like anything that was ultra premium or premium in that space, and the Escalade fit the bill to a T, and then it became kind of a status symbol and and just sold like gangbusters and, and I think saved Cadillac. I don't think Cadillac is here today because of the, I think the CTS is the car you're referring to. Yeah. I think it's here because of the Escalade. The interesting thing for me with Harley is they've got like, you know, this was the news from the last show where it's like they've, they're pivoting. They're, they're like, okay, we're kind of done with Harley yeah. Davidson as we know it. We're into like new Harley Davidson and it's a brave new world. And that's part of the issue with, with the juxtaposition with what President Trump's administration is trying to do because President Trump wants, they kind of want to roll the clock back to when, America was this steel and coal and manufacturing powerhouse. Uh, and it's just like, well, that's just, and that's kind of like what Harley's been trying to do. Like, oh, don't you remember those great early days when when men were men and we rode Harleys and an 883 was actually the wife's bike and blah, 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 uh -huh, blah. Yeah. And, and those those glory days from the 80s when, when Ronnie was running the country. Good old Ronnie. And you're just kind of like, yeah, that nostalgia is fantastic. And it's, alluring to certain demographics but welcome to the service but economy. the 21st century has happened <laughs> and it's just not gonna be like that anymore so you can either try and keep pretending like like that's something that we can still have and achieve or you can get real and and quit and get woke oh yeah and 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 come There's up with some... a new business plan so harley's got the new business plan and it just doesn't fit with the the trump administration's agenda and I don't know if that really matters. No, they're good. playing the long game. Like they were like, no, for sure. Okay, you at most you got game. another six years of this shit. So we've got a plan for thirty years. So at least right, ten uh, years. Hey, 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 Ivanka, twenty twenty two. Oh, well, fair enough. But whatever. Like we'll have to. Is that right? Twenty twenty two. I don't even know when the next election is. I don't give a shit. I'm tired of even thinking about it. Right. It's midterms of this year. That's all. I care about. Um, but but it's interesting. So to wrap that that thought, it's interesting for me to see the bikers for Trump segment. Yeah. Because I just don't think Harley cares. No. Where it's like, oh, you guys. Yeah. You're, we we knew you weren't going to be our customers. You're dying forward. anyway. You already, and you yeah, bought your last you're, one. You're dying so. out. Like we already knew you bought your Good. last bike. Yeah. I think that's Harley Davidson, and I think that's where the Trump administration is going to lose all their leverage because they're trying to make that divide. They're trying to make people make that Sophie's choice: is it you know your president or your motorcycle? <laughs> and and it's I think so good, it's so tasty. And that's the thing. I think I think Harley's just like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we're fine. We we knew we weren't going to get your sales anymore because we know you're not the future. It's going to be thirty somethings. It's going to be twenty somethings. It's going to be women. Yeah. It's going to be. Blue state voters, not red state voters. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Motorcycle industry is still pretty red, but we'll see. Um, or it's not even going to be Americans. Yeah. That's it's probably the be bigger reality. Where where the people are have if the asses we, for the seats to ride motorcycles. If we gain yeah. 10 Indians for every one American, does Harley Davidson give a fuck? But no. Indians doing pretty well, don't you think? No, I meant Indian oh. <laughs> people. 
people of India. I was kidding. Sorry. Did you didn't get that? I got that. I just wanted to make sure people okay. knew what I was saying. Not this nonsense tomfoolery that you're <laughs> spinning over there. With your dirty socks. You walk around in your socks, man. Especially on that plane. Especially <laughs> in your house, man. There's kitty fur balls all over the place. Yeah, I need a vacuum. What are you going to do, right? Same in my house. I've got two cats, so there's more. Black and white fur. Well, you got black and white fur because of Goda's. Goda's like two cats. She is. She's physically <laughs> the size of two cats. I think she lost weight while I was gone, though. I'm not sure Hannah actually fed her while I was away. That might be on purpose. It's Maybe it's a little tough love me for a Hannah. <laughs> all right. Well, all those car Harleys are still going to have kickstands for sure because you're going to need them. Let's put them all up and get out of here. All right. Good talk. See you out there. Later. I think you're going to have to completely, well, you, you might have to move this back there and that forward just so that you don't have it like directly. It could come from, oh, yeah. I you see what I mean? Saying. Just like, yeah. like I just did. You yeah. Could, yeah. You should probably do that. Let's do that. I mean, you had, you you have it where you've had it. And that's, it, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do a Harley Davidson. <laughs> I'm trying to just pretend like the, the universe can just keep on going without me. <laughs>